Hi everyone, happy holidays from the Fintech Files team. As a special holiday treat for you, we're revisiting one of our favorite season two episodes today. It's the art of navigating a company through rapid growth and post-merger integration with Michael Stefan, COO and co-founder of Raisin, the first and only pan-European deposit marketplace. Since our 2022 episode, this Berlin-based fintech unicorn has secured over 60 million euros in funding in a Series E round. And just for fun, how about sending us a holiday gift back? Share your favorite fintech product of 2023. Drop us a line at fintech-podcast.bcgplatinium.com. We might even feature a response on the show or include it in the show notes. And now, here's our special holiday episode with Michael Stefan from Raisin. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, Nora. Thank you, Annika. It's a pleasure to be in your show today. Great having you here. So you co-founded Raisin together with Thomas Georgatze and Frank Freud back in 2012. Uh -huh. So you've been active quite some time on the market already for over 10 years. And since then, you've written quite a success story with an international scope. I mean, you're active in 30 countries across Europe and the US, and you're having over 600 employees by now, haven't you? Yes, that's true indeed. With your last major change probably being the most important one, you merger with Deposit Solutions in summer 2021. Yes, probably. That was um, the biggest uh, inorganic change we had uh, since we started Raisin 10 years ago. And that's a super interesting setup. Also keeping in mind um, having another German fintech unicorn here today. So great success story. <laughs> Thank you very much. Let's directly start with our first question. So how would you explain your business model to your grandparents? So um, to take the question very literal, I have one grandma and she worked as a cashier at uh, Dresdner Bank in Munich. And um, she's 86. And actually, we started the business in her basement in, in Munich. <laughs> so it's basically your first supporter from day one. <laughs> yes, indeed. And if you were to ask my grandma, she would say also, I'm a banker because she worked in a bank kind of uh, as a cashier, indeed. And um, But at the same time, I think kind of explaining to her what we do, um, it doesn't really work. I think she comes from a time when, I don't know, you would get fixed-term deposits with 5-6% uh, in the bank. And things were much less digital than, than they are now. So I think on this one, I failed in the past, but I think she's enjoying that I'm doing something that, that I like. But um, it's too difficult to explain to her what, what we're doing. But um, if I was to explain my business model to kind of a friend or, or a peer, then I would first of all say it's a bit complicated, but it, then it's also not so complicated. And it's a, I would say, two-sided business model. So on the one side, as Raisin, we have a bank, Raisin Bank which is a banking as a service provider. And on the other side, we have Raisin with its um, B2C and B2B channels. And there we are a marketplace for investment products, primarily deposits, but also um, ETFs and other products. So most consumers out there may probably not know you that well as you're more of an ecosystem player. Some people may even consider you, as you just mentioned, banking as a service, as a competitor of Solaris Bank. How would you explain the difference between your offerings? So it depends a bit. Um, if we take our, our bank, Raisin Bank, which is a subsidiary of ours, then I think um, we're in somewhat the same market. So we acquired Raisin Bank um, roughly three to four years ago. 
And um, with the idea of um, owning as much of our value chain as possible and um, becoming licensed um, as a bank. And we've um, spent the last couple of years investing in the bank. So building up a great team, um, exchanging also the technology there to be more state of the art. And in the end, um, we're using the bank for our raisin business ourselves, um, but we're also offering the bank to other fintechs um, as a banking, as a service uh, offering. So um, we're offering things like factoring or payments or um, fronting for loans. So in that sense, we are somewhat in the same space with Raisin Bank as Solaris Bank. Then also, I think there's not so much overlap to um, to the verticals that, that Solaris Bank uh, is in. And then if it comes to Raisin itself, um, and our kind of most known brand in Germany is Weltsparen.de, or maybe Zinspilot, which some of our listeners might know, I think there indeed is no overlap whatsoever because it's a B2C offering in deposits and investments. And I think Solaris Bank is mostly um, banking as a service um, exclusively. And actually, in the past, We've had numerous cooperations between Solaris Bank and Raisin. So, for example, we had brokered deposits uh, to, to Solaris Bank in the past. So I think it's it's not a kind of competitive relationship from my perspective, at least. You just mentioned um, some of your merges in, in the past years of Raisin. With all these integrations of different companies, um, how are you now structured from an organizational perspective? It's a good question. And um, maybe as a background, we grew mostly organically. To where we are today. However, from time to time, we had made um, acquisitions. So, for example, uh, a couple of years ago, we um, acquired a smaller competitor in the UK, which is now Raisin UK. This was in your, your entry to the UK business? In, indeed. And now it's a very successful part of our um, kind of B2C business. We acquired a small pension products fintech um, from Berlin, FAIR, which we now integrated as, uh, as Raisin Pension. We acquired a bank, which is now Raisin Bank, which was um, known uh, MHB Bank. And um, we also then merged with the Posit Solutions. So quite a bit of inorganic um, uh, moves um, as well in the past. From my perspective, I think we like to keep it simple. So that means um, it's one company, one, one family, one group. Um, and everybody is Raisin. However, we keep subsidiaries if it's required for a license. So, for example, our UK subsidiary is a subsidiary uh, and the business is there in a separate company because of the fact that we need a, a license in the UK there. Uh, equally, our bank is a subsidiary because we need the banking license uh, there. And same also for our US business. So whenever there's a need for a license, I think it makes sense to, um, to structure it as a subsidiary. Whenever um, I think there's no need for a license, we um, kind of keep it in our main entity in uh, in Germany. But then at the same time, I mean, this is just the kind of the legal the legal setup, the entity setup, in terms of how we work with one another, it's it's one company. There's there's one Slack, there's one town hall meeting, um, there's uh, there's one uh, one email. So we really try to have kind of one joint uh, company culture and company spirit. Understood. I'd also be interested in the third dimension to this. So we have the the legal or the the regulatory integration, then the organizational integration, um, the technical integration is of course. Uh, also sometimes a challenge or not so easy to master. How are you currently set up in terms of um, your tech platforms? Did you keep the separate tech platforms or, or did you integrate parts of it? Did you fully integrate? How does your setup look like from a technology perspective? So I think 
like at Raisin, we always think long term. And I think having a successful business in tech, you need to have a good stack um, that is future proof and that is modern. And um, it's not good long term to keep kind of legacy stack left and right with you for too long. Um, and then, of course, you need to kind of balance the wish to have one platform with um, with kind of business needs at the same time. But um, what we're doing at the moment is um, we are kind of integrating the stack that we inherited from Deposit Solutions, whom we merged with, with the stack that we have on the Raisin side on a kind of relatively modern platform. So it's an cloud-native platform on AWS with, I don't know, containers and, and some lambdas. And uh, yeah, we can speak a bit more about the stack, but it's a pretty pretty nice stack based on, on Java and, uh, and JavaScript. And um, at the same time, though, this kind of integration, even though it's long-term the right thing, um, it takes a bit of time and takes also attention away from uh, from doing the most immediate kind of things things for business. But I think we're well uh, on the way right now. I would guess probably halfway through the integration that we need to do. And um, I guess sometime next year will be um, on one unified stack um, with the post solution. By the way, I'm not talking about Raisin. With Raisin Bank, the story was a bit um, different. So when we acquired the bank, it was on a non-cloud native, pretty old-fashioned um, stack. And um, there we made the decision, a relatively radical decision. You're not using Mambo, correct? Yeah. So we decided we will throw away everything that we had and migrate the whole bank on a modern stack. And you correctly say uh, the core uh, is on Mambo. Um, the uh, kind of ledger is on NetSuite. And then we've added a few other kind of bits and pieces left and right, mixing things we um, develop ourselves with um, best of breed software as a service that we felt is uh, is kind of useful to us. Because I think our philosophy is it's difficult to build everything by yourself. And I think it makes sense to build things where you want to differentiate yourself. So for example, our API is um, to external partners is built by ourselves. Some of our business logic is built by ourselves, but some other things like Mambo, the core or things around payments, we just bought things that we felt were pretty good um, in the market um, and where we wouldn't differentiate ourselves. So I assume one challenge is then always to decide, um, do you need it for differentiation or can you just use the standard software? What were then other challenges? Um, along your, your integration path here? So I think when you move from a stack that you don't own and that you don't control uh, to a stack that you fully own and fully control and where you start developing things on your own stack, then the whole bank needs to learn. And um, it's very easy to buy something and just use it out of the box, but it's very difficult to really kind of build something from scratch and to operate it and own it. And I think one of the big challenges was actually over the last year or so. So we completed the migration actually um, in August last year. So that's all kind of done and dusted. But I would say a big challenge for us was for the whole organization to actually learn and understand what's beneath the, the hood and to really kind of um, understand the process end to end. Um, but I think this jumping into cold water and um, really understanding everything from scratch is something that um, will pay off mightily uh, going forward. Because if a banking as a service partner comes to you, they usually have a very specific business idea in mind. Then what you want is you want to have a team, not just a stack, who understands what the bank is capable of and who can advise that banking service partner. And that only works if you really understand from the ground um, what your bank is doing and how processes work. And I think that was a big challenge, but um, I think we've come a very, very long way during uh, the, the migration project. 
Do you have some kind of um, overarching integration principles or architecture principles when, when you decide to build something new? So I would assume um, cloud-based is basically a no-brainer um, as of today. Anything which is um, very specific to Raisin right now? I think cloud-based is one big thing. And I think when we started doing cloud six years ago with Raisin, was probably at the same time that also um, others started with cloud. It wasn't such a no-brainer because you needed to explain and defend it vis-a-vis um, other partners uh, and sometimes also the regulator, I think now it's a default choice. And what we say is everything needs to be cloud native. I think that's one principle. I think on this one particularly, I don't want to advertise them, but we have committed to AWS as well. We love a lot of their, their services. So um, whenever we we kind of um, build something, we build it on that stack. I think the third principle I mentioned as well, so we we only build where we differentiate and otherwise we we buy because I believe, especially in fintech, um, to build software that is really good and mature, it takes uh, a mighty investment over time. And um, you cannot invest in everything. Um, so you need to pick your battles and pick where you really want to be best in class. I think these decisions where you build and where you buy are really, really, really crucial, I think, as a, as a company. Mm -hmm. I really love the expression uh, that you, you love AWS. So when you're talking about self-developed uh, software, you're directly going for, for platform as a service. Did I understand that correctly? I'm struggling with what you mean by platform uh, as a service. So, and I'll try to describe it kind of how I, how I understood the question. So um, how I see our tech platform, both at Raisin and Raisin Bank, is like a set of Lego bricks. And in the end, this is realized in services or Lambda functions. Um, but in the end, um, those are all components that describe different domains at, uh, at Raisin. And I think what we um, are doing is we build out those components. So some components might be, for example, around payments, around direct debit, around whatever deposit ledger. And those components, we are offering third parties for their use and also for them to compose them in any way they might find useful for the business model. So if you mean by platform as a service, this principle to kind of build out bricks that people can use in different shapes or forms to build a wall, then I think we have a platform as a service kind of uh, kind of strategy. Yeah, I was exactly referring to, to the part where you said uh, you have a lot of Lambda functions. So you you do not just have a, a farm of virtual machines uh, running there and you, you kind of still develop stuff the classic way, so to say, but you're really leveraging the cloud services that are offered. So I think... On the one side, we um, want to be a really fun place to work at for, for engineers and product people. Uh, and that means we love to experiment with um, new technologies. Sometimes you could do it uh, kind of in a container, you could do it with lambdas and both would work equally fine. But also engineers want to learn new things. So we are happy with both solutions, whatever the team wants to do in the end. Um, I think what you describe with, I don't know, virtual machines or even kind of physical machines, I think that's that's far in the past for for Verizon DS that we don't don't have anymore indeed. But at the same time, both serverless and, and container, I think both have the justification and we are embracing both actually, depending on the team, one more than, than the other. But even if you go for something containerized, um, at least kind of all the, the infrastructure, whatever, databases, uh, networking, and so on and so on, that's all kind of uh, coming from code and is outside of the container, of course. Okay, understood. So I'm really interested in your development uh, teams or, or how you develop stuff. How would you say, for example, is the ratio between the 
new functionalities you build or also taking into account the, the integrations that happened already, how often do you need to refactor stuff or rebuild um, things that may not be the most efficient um, given a new environment, for example? So when we started Raisin nine years ago, we didn't really know what the business is going to be like. So in the end, um, we, we started somewhere and we built something and we built some more and we followed the path of customer and, uh, and business partner demand. Two years ago, we realized that we were a bit stuck in our old application, which was a monolithic application. And then we decided to rebuild it um, in a service-oriented architecture. So we were already in the cloud, um, but we were not kind of fully native in the cloud. And two years ago, we then kind of decided to refactor almost everything and move things out of the monolith step by step. And we did this in a very, I would say, considerate way, uh, starting with a, um, so we applied a domain-driven design framework and started by analyzing the domains that we had, then set up teams corresponding to those domains, and then starting a classical strangler pattern, moving functionality and data out of our old monolithic system step by step. So that's the application I mentioned earlier that we're migrating uh, everything uh, onto. And I think you asked, how often do we refactor things? So I think on the new stack, we will likely refactor much less than in the past because it's a mature business model by now. We've done this for the last almost 10 years. So we, we know pretty well the market and the domain And we are now building things um, with the abstraction level and the kind of flexibility that we need for the business. So I would guess we will refactor now much less and much less than we did in the past. But at the same time, it, it's how it is. It's a it's a kind of high growth, kind of fast paced business. So I would guess you throw away, even for us on our side, you throw away stuff pretty often. This sounds interesting. I actually have two why questions. <laughs> so maybe um, first. Why Mambu and why AWS? Because these are questions which we, of course, um, oftentimes see at our clients. Would have been your rationale behind those decisions? So why AWS? Um, I guess as a regulated entity, you don't have too many options. So there's probably Google and there's Microsoft and there's uh, Amazon. And those are, I would say, based on functionality and compliance, the, the three big ones that you can opt for. And I think for us, it was the, the cloud of choice for engineers um, who basically our engineers loved AWS the most, I guess because of familiarity, I guess also because when we um, picked the cloud five, six years ago, it was the most fun and probably most advanced to work with. And then there's a lot of path dependency. So once you, um, you pick one, it takes quite a bit of effort to, to go for a multi-cloud strategy or to switch cloud. And I think by now, People are super happy, but it's mostly based on, on fun for our engineers. And then the second question, why Mambo? We decided three years ago, we scanned the market. And one condition for us was it must be a cloud native core banking system. And there's not many around. There might be Temenos T24 cloud. There might be a few kind of less advanced ones than, uh, than Mambo. Yeah, Thought Machine as well. Um, and we looked at all of them. I think in the end, um, we felt that um, Mambo offered us the ability to, um, basically, it's only the core. That's great because then we can pick 
um, the best products um, or the best services outside of out of the core that we need for our business model. And we can also add our technology and our code. That was something that we liked. And uh, then also I felt Thought Machine back then at least has never been used in the German market and um, wasn't as advanced back then. Uh, plus you had to bring a lot of your own knowledge to just set it up and, uh, and get it running. And my feeling was back then that Mambo was, at least in the German market, the uh, the core banking system, the one core banking system cloud-based that was the furthest um, ahead. I think nowadays, I think T24 for the German market, the cloud version, is also pretty far. Um, but back then, I think it was a, was a good choice. And um, I think we haven't regretted it uh, since uh, since then. I'm a big fan of Mambo, by the way. I also did the Mambo Solution Consultant certification some weeks ago. So I think <laughs> it's really a cool, cool starting point. Yeah, and I mean, having having such a core enables you to focus even more than on the, the things that will differentiate you, right? Like your your offerings. Um, I've just read that you've recently launched a new product, haven't you? Um, an investment offering around private equity, could you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, indeed. So thanks for the for the question. So um, with our B2C proposition in Germany, where we, by the way, have a quarter of a million uh, customers, we're offering deposits. So the German word would be Tagesgeld and Festgeld, and also quite a few ETF um, bundles, uh, kind of robot-advisory products and pension products. And one big ask from our customers was to have um, a product which offers a good return, and is a bit more long-term. And that's why we picked um, private equity as a new asset class for our um, B2C offering. And I think we've just uh, we've just launched it. We're doing this in a cooperation with, uh, with Moonfair, who's providing the product, and making this available in a very seamless way to all of our customers. So you can now order your private equity product starting from 200,000 euros, Weltsparen.de. And uh, I think we've quite a good selection of um, uh, of, um, of kind of funds in there. I'm pretty sure this will be a quite quite successful launch. So just for me to understand the way your your offerings work, would that be something you you offer in your your own platform only? Or is that also something that a B2B client of yours could offer to their uh, customers in the end? No, so, so this one is exclusively for B2C. So if you're a B2C customer of ours on weltspan.de, then you have to imagine a bit like, um, I don't know, like Amazon. So you um, you register once, you give us your credit card details, meaning like we do a KYC and we'd open an account for you. And then from within the online banking at weltspan.de, it's just a click away any product you want to have, be it a deposit with another bank, be it a um, an ETF be it a private equity product, and this kind of seamless, very easy to use um, experience all in one place. That's kind of the proposition in B2C. For the moment, we're not offering this to uh, our B2B um, uh, customers. So would that probably be the next big thing? Or what else do you have in mind? What's on your product roadmap? I think for for the bank, where the majority of our B2B partners um, is, I think they are looking more in the buy now, pay later space. So there's quite a few things um, coming up and quite a few cool partnerships um, there, as well as the payment space. So I think those are two areas where we're investing quite a bit and where we um, are onboarding a few partners uh, at the moment. And in the B2C space, I think after private equity, we're certainly going to launch um, another meaningful asset class for, uh, for our customers on top of deposits, kind of investment funds and PE. But I think we need to wait a few more weeks before we can, can announce that. This looks quite promising. Other than also any technical changes um, we will expect from your side? 
only like the one big project that we're on is kind of digesting the merger between deposit solutions and uh, and Raisin, bringing everybody on one stack and one platform. <laughs> only sounds like so so little effort, but I, I can imagine what it what it, what it means for you right now. I mean, it, it, it's it's a bit it's a bit like this. I mean, uh, BCG and McKinsey they do a lot of kind of post merger integration consulting, and uh, then I mean you know it from theory, but you also know it from practice when you've been there. Um, it's it's a lot of work, and there's two very strong companies who have merged, and on both sides we're roughly two to three hundred people uh, with a lot of history, with a lot of channels, products, and bringing that all together it's a necessity, but it takes time and it takes dedication and it takes focus and it takes effort. But at the same time, it's weekends. <laughs> yeah, weekends as well. <laughs> but it's also a lot of fun because um, when you kind of shut down old things and when you see things um, coming together. Uh, on uh, on a joint stack, it's also you you really see what you, what you've done and you see the value that you've created for for the company and for partners and for customers, and that's a lot of fun uh, fun as well. Plus, also for me personally, so I'm leading product and engineering uh, in my role as well at uh, at Raisin, and suddenly I have double the amount of engineers available. So that means I can do um, double the amount of things in the same uh, time frame, which is um, just fantastic acceleration. So that's something I love a lot at the moment. I believe that. So in your role, um, yeah, leading the engineers, I, I'd assume you, of course, always have an open eye to to what's coming. Yeah, in terms of emerging technologies, um, what like how the market is developing. Uh, if you had to bet on one emerging technology, maybe for the next five years or so, which one would it be? Um, maybe for you personally, also for, for Raisin, of course. Yeah, I'm really, really, really bad at betting on, on future technology. And I think also as a regulated entity, as a bank and as a kind of fintech, which works a lot with other banks as an outsourcing provider, I think you also have the obligation to not be kind of too progressive on technology. So for me to bet on a non-proven disruptive technology, I'm not the right person for that. And I think also Raisin is not the right the right company for that. So I think when we bet on cloud or when we bet on, uh, on on lambdas and other things, I think this is something that has been proven. It's still, I would say, pretty cutting edge and probably better than what 95% of banks are doing, are doing at the moment. But placing big bets on even kind of further things which are might only be kind of proven things in five years, it's probably not not fast. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'll take that for an answer. As a very last question from, from our side and also keeping in mind how the current um, fintech landscape is, is evolving, what's your plan to avoid being disrupted in the future and to still have a very unique offering focusing on your, on your end customers right now? I think our strategy on the Raisin Bank side with our banking as a service offer is offers um, not very kind of remarkable. I think what we try to do is we um, try to build great technology in the verticals that we're in. So factoring, fronting, payments. And um, we off try to offer great service to our customers. Uh, I think the market is also big enough for a couple of players in, uh, in this space. So I don't fear to be disrupted there. I don't think also we're kind of very in a very competitive situation there, there at the moment. So for me, it's full focus on what our customers want, full focus on building great, uh, a great tech stack um, that is future-proven. And I think then we are kind of uh, setting a very good basis for, for future growth there. Awesome. Thank you very much for joining us. 
I've learned a lot on the evolution of raisin, and I really appreciate your thoughts, sharing your thoughts on make or buy decisions and how you approached your challenges um, with regards to post-merger integration. Thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you very much, Nora. Thank you very much, uh, Annika. It was a great pleasure to be with you. We can only echo that. Thanks for joining us today. Bye-bye. This has been Fintech Files, a podcast from BCG Platinian. This season, we'll dive deep into the groundbreaking ideas shaping the future of fintech. And we want to hear from you, our listeners. What topics would you like us to cover and who are your dream guests? Drop us a line anytime at fintech-podcast at bcgplatinian.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening and be sure to tune in next week. Bye.